Welcome to Grain Talk, a podcast by Grain Farmers of Ontario. I'm Rachel Telford. And I'm Paige Miller. The Grain Talk podcast can be found on Apple iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite platform. In this episode of Grain Talk, I will speak with Dean Dias about the new Cereals Canada, an amalgamation of the Heritage Cereals Canada and the Canadian International Grains Institute. Dean was just named the Chief Executive Officer this week. I will also check in with Crosby Devitt, CEO of Grain Farmers of Ontario, for an update on our organization. First, a Grain Talk news update. The City of Hamilton is currently undergoing a review of the major roadways that are used to enter the Port of Hamilton. These roadways include York Boulevard, Highway 6, Cannon, Wellington, Victoria, Wilson, and Maine. If you are a user of Hamilton's Port Grain Terminals, you are encouraged to provide your input into the review by September 11, 2020. We know how important the Port of Hamilton is to the Ontario agriculture sector, and the outcome of this process could result in truck routes being restricted. It is important that the City of Hamilton hears from farmers directly about which routes are important to you, and the impacts and restrictions that it could have on your business. You can provide feedback through the online survey available at engage.hamilton.ca. Look for the Hamilton Truck Route Master Plan Review listed under Projects Open for Input. Good and Every Grain is partnering with CTV News and their ongoing education series called Fields to Forks. This series highlights the people, processes, and the passion that goes into growing food for consumers. Good and Every Grain is focusing on the topic of food affordability this year and how Ontario grain farmers work hard to grow grains that are affordable in the grocery store. The video series will include a 60-second television commercial played in the Barrie, Ottawa, London, and Kitchener markets, as well as radio ads in Toronto, London, and Kitchener. People need to eat, and they need to eat all the time. And I guess especially now that we're in the midst of a global pandemic, it's even more uh, evident that affordable food's a priority for everyone, but especially for our family. We have a family of five, and to be able to feed our family for years to come, yeah, we need to be able to afford to do so. We are reducing our pesticide use, reducing our fertilizer use, doing everything we can to maximize our crop. Soil needs to provide for our family year in and year out for years to come. Provincially, I hope we continue to be able to produce the food that I think uh, the world can trust in. Affordable food is top priority for families across Ontario, including the families growing the grains. Grain Farmers of Ontario thank the farm families working the front lines, keeping our grocery shelves stocked and our bellies full with nutritious, locally grown grains. There is good in every grain. To learn more about public outreach initiatives or our Fields to Forks partnerships, please visit goodineverygrain.ca. Grain Farmers of Ontario is continuing to offer virtual learning opportunities for our farmer members. A new Grain Talk webinar on cover crops is available at gfo.ca. This webinar features our senior agronomist, Marty Vermeer and Andrew Holland, soil specialists with the Ontario Ministry of Agriculture, Food and Rural Affairs. They discuss cover crop options for 2020 and look into the different types of clover. Grain Farmers of Ontario is also pleased to be a sponsor of this year's Virtual Ontario Diagnostic Days. This video series presented on realagriculture.com replaces several in-person field crop events, typically held by Amafra and the University of Guelph. A new video is posted every two weeks, and so far, they have covered soybean planting, plant diseases and pests, and controlling resistant fleabane and water hemp. Next week's episode will focus on soil. For a full list of upcoming video sessions, go to realagriculture.com and look for Ontario Diagnostic Days.
Green Farmers of Ontario is also planning for our annual general meeting to take place online. The meeting will be held September 15th at 8.30 a.m. To allow for this virtual format, the board has made the decision to change the deadline for the resolution submissions to September 8th. Grain Farmers of Ontario farmer members are encouraged to contact your local delegates and director for further information on the resolutions process. You can find the contact information for all district representatives at gfo.ca. And now, here's my conversation with Dean Dias. Dean Dias has just been named as Chief Executive Officer of the New Cereals Canada, the merger of the Heritage Cereals Canada and the Canadian International Grains Institute, more often referred to as SIGI. Welcome to our podcast, Dean, and congratulations on your new role. Thank you for having me, Rachel, and I'm glad to be on this call. No, we have a lot to talk about with Cereals Canada and the future of the new organization, but whenever we have a new guest on our podcast, we do like to get to know a bit about them first. So if you don't mind, let's start with what has brought you to this point. You spent more than a decade with Siggy, most recently as interim CEO and director of value chain relations. How did you end up there initially? Oh, it's a long story, but uh, let, let me summarize this. Uh, I moved to Canada in 2006 from Mumbai, India. Um, in search of higher education and then landed up in Winnipeg. At that point, I was not really sure if um, you know, Winnipeg was going to be the right place for me. And I did computer science and business at the University of Winnipeg here. Um, and then this opportunity came up with, with Siggy and I joined, uh, you know, as uh, one of their IT staff and soon realized how important this industry was for Canadians as well as for the entire global population where food is being moved from, uh, you know, from like grains are being moved from prairies all the way from the prairies from Eastern Canada, um, going to all different parts of the world. Uh, and soon I fell in love with the work we did. Um, I do love food. So it was, <laughs> you know, it was a win-win situation for me at that point. Um, I was, uh, I, I looked forward to it, interacting with customers on a daily basis, learning from them. Um, let me just say, I don't look at bread the same way anymore, right? So, so all of those things was a learning process. And, you know, throughout the years, I've gotten a chance to learn about what we do as an industry. Um, and there's so much more to do, do still as we, you know, as the industry starts evolving and as uh, consumer preferences keep changing. So at the, at that point, you know, there was also a chance to lead, uh, Siggy into this merger discussions. And I thought, Having an organization that reflects what Canada brings, the unity of, you know, providing technical support, providing uh, support when it comes to market access, uh, providing research, uh, innovation, all of that under one organization was was uh, a definite plus. And I wanted to be part of it. The board gave me an opportunity to lead Sigi into the merger at that point. Um, and now the board has put their trust in me to lead Seawills Canada. And I'm uh, humbled and proud, I should say. So what kept you at Siggy? What was sort of interesting to you about the work that you were doing? And, you know, because many people bounce between different organizations. You know, I, I should say it is, uh, I, I think I, my love for food and where the food comes from um, was definitely a, a, a plus point for sure. However, there's a piece behind it where you start realizing how much people in like people who are involved in this industry care about this industry and 
Um, it is it is family run businesses that are farms. It is um, you know exporters that take immense pride in moving Canadian grain to the world. Um, and at the same time, it is the respect that Canadian grain demands or is given around the world for its quality and consistency. And when you meet customers and you hear that from them, um, the love that they have of, of using Canadian grain and the support that they've been given over the years just makes you proud to be part of that industry. And and you really want to be involved in everything you do. So I think that was a driving force for me. Um, and, and you know what, this, this industry keeps changing. There's lots of things like new modern agricultural practices. There is, you know, innovation on multiple different levels that you constantly keep learning and growing as you do it. Uh, you know, in the future, you know, we'll be talking about growing crops on the moon or like, you know, nanobots going and pulling out weed, weeds from your farms. Like, you know, I don't know what the future is, but it, this is an evolving industry and it keeps you on your toes. So I really haven't had a chance to look elsewhere and I love it still. Now, obviously evolving industry, the amalgamation of Cereals Canada with Siggy was approved just back in April, um, but obviously years of discussions led up to that point. So. Can you give us, I guess, some perspective or, or background on why the decision was made for these two organizations to join together? The way you have to look at it, in my, my perspective, and I think if you ask people in the industry, if you did want one organization to support uh, a commodity like wheat, would you have two different organizations? You probably wouldn't. If you started with a blank page, you wouldn't. You would just have one organization. But that's how the, the industry evolved and that's how two organizations came to fruition and now we have merged. But I think if you look at the membership that Cereals Canada and Siggy have, they're practically the same, right? Um, Siggy, all of Siggy's members were part of Cereals Canada's members. And the work we were doing was exactly the same, making sure that markets keep, are kept open. Um, but we would do it on the side of, like, you know, as Siggy, we would do it on the side of technical information. Seavis Canada would do it based on market access. Um, and then, you know, why wouldn't we come together and make it easier for our customers to just come to one organization for all of that information? So there was the perspective that, you know, we are one national organization was key, that we represented all members of the value chain was key, um, that there would be one single point of contact for all customers and governments to come to um, and that we would be that organization that that goes that leads into the future that you know talks about research talks about um, innovation when it comes to Canadian grains and so on so I think it was a, 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 a needed evolution and I'm glad that it did happen now the new organization is going to operate under the Cereals Canada name and I understand that Siggy's going to maintain sort of its own brand as a division within it. So can you explain a bit about, you know, how the organization is going to be structured and, and sort of why you made those decisions? So so first of all, both the brands, Seawills uh, Canada's uh, brand is pretty strong. Um, and, um, you know, it's been around for six and a half years and it has an international presence and a domestic presence. Um, and when you think about Siggy that has been around for over 40 years and uh, there is uh, a definite strong brand for technical expertise uh, for customers. Uh, we do not want to lose both brands. 
And that is the signal we got from our members that these are both strong brands. And during a merger, let's not lose the two brands, um, but actually come to after the merger is completed, let's do a strategic planning session. After the strategic planning session, let's do a branding exercise and see what the best position is for, for this organization. So during the transition period, we did not want to lose both brands. Um, for, it just made more sense to, to keep the two names, uh, two brands at the same time. Siggy uh, is the technical division because that's Siggy's role is always been to provide technical information to customers uh, and provide unbiased, you know, hands-on um, training for people who are interested in using Canadian grain. Seagulls Canada, on the other hand, has always been uh, an organization that provides information and engaging dialogue based on market access and so on. So it just made, overall, it just fit well that Seagulls Canada would be the overarching arm um, and then SIGI would be the technical division. Um, and I think in the during the transition period, that is how we are going to function. Um, and uh, after the strategic planning is done, we'll have a better idea um, of, of uh, what brand, if the brand needs to change or we are going to continue the same way. So potentially you could decide on an entirely, completely new name. Yep, it's possible. Now, what about the board of directors? Has that structure or representation with the board changed since the amalgamation? So, so governance was the biggest discussion during amalgamation and, and rightly so because uh, you know you you want to make sure that the governance around the new organization is is strong and there's complete support from our members going into an amalgamation for siggy in the past like you know siggy's board of directors was mostly producers and exporters um, from the civils canada side it was producers exporters some life science companies and seed uh, the governance structure right now for Seawills Canada as a merged organization um, is 50% of the governance is uh, split for the producer pillar and 50% for the industry pillar. And from the producer pillar, uh, you know, all members representing from east to west. Uh, currently, there is board members on our board from GFO, from Grain Farmers of Ontario. We have people from uh, Manitoba Crop Alliance. We have board of directors from um, Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission and Alberta Wheat Commission. On the industry perspective, we have exporters, uh, life science companies, and processors. So on the industry side, we have Richardson's, Viterra, uh, Cargill, TNH, uh, G3. Um, we have um, Warburton's. Uh, we have uh, Bayer and we have uh, BASF on our board currently. So that's eight and eight. So there's 16 board members. So we have eight producer members and eight industry members. And that's how the funding is split as well. You were just named CEO this week. So you might maybe not have a clear direction on where you want to go, but or some specific goals. But do you, I guess, have a general sense of what you want to tackle in your, your first few months on the job with this new organization? Oh, well, you know, you, you always have some type of vision coming in, but, you know, I, I prefer um, taking a, a complete holistic look at everything that uh, we are going to be doing as an organization. And I think the strategic planning session will help do that. Um, however, you know, I strongly believe that uh, we as an organization uh, are 
one we have to build on this is that we are stronger together um so this the serial scanner SCG team that is now complete with you know all the different technical information that we can provide with the market access support all of that we are stronger together as as the one organization as one team we are stronger together when it comes to our members our members are from the east to the west we have producers exporters life science companies processors i think if we want to move something in this industry forward we have the membership support to kind of do that so i think we need to build on that we need to use that strength that we have together um, and and keep moving industry goals forward uh, and you know we are here to collaborate we are uh, we have expertise in certain things that uh, we can provide uh, support to to other uh, commodity groups or to other members in the industry um, and uh, we are here to collaborate and again like i said stronger together is 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 my vision um, for the entire industry and for serials as a whole as well have you given any thought to a longer term future for the organization once you get past the first couple of months Yes, you know, I think first of all, like the, the biggest goal is to provide value back to members. And I think once that, once we figure out a way of doing that, uh, the next step would be what else is coming up in this industry. Um, for, for me, uh, we need to, we need to be the driving force behind, uh, modern agricultural practices. We need to be the driving force behind what can we do better than our competition? And I think, you know, those are the things that we need to focus on. Um, market development, market support, market maintenance uh, is going to be a, a long-term future. And I think that's where we need to focus on is, you know, making sure we have the right innovation in place, getting the right uh, varieties uh, that farmers want to grow and has the quality that customers want. Um, and then we also, you know, you have to look at, where the, where the consumers want to take this market, right? The consumers are the ones that are driving this industry. Um, we, we like to say that our customers are, but our customers are being driven by the consumers. So we need to kind of look at that piece as well um, and see, you know, what we can do for the, to help our customers market their product better to consumers. So I think that's the long-term future is, is that whole holistic perspective of, nutrition grain quality uh grain safety uh, and end product quality all in, as one big package from canada now along with uh, the announcement of you becoming the chief executive officer cam Dahl was named as the chief strategy officer and in the press release um there was a comment from you noting that you know having him in that role is going to help to drive the success and continued development of the new organization. So can you just maybe comment on how do you see him playing into these um, longer term goals that you've just mentioned? So so Cam Cam and I work really well together and if you ask me like you know I consider that including the rest of the team here uh, at Seals Canada and Siggy I think it's it's the dream team. Um I am uh, really glad to have Cam on on the team. Uh, he plays, you know, he's got the expertise when it comes to, uh, you know, trade policy, government relations and market access. Uh, and those are the files that uh, Cam will be leading on. Uh, Cam is also a, a you know, seasoned uh, ag expert. So he would be providing some support and guidance when I need it. Um, and and he, he's, he's a highly respected leader in this industry. And I'm, I'm looking forward to learning from him um, at the same time, you know, 
give him him giving me support in certain discussions that that need to move the industry forward. So I think Cam to me is is going to be a, a big part of the success of this industry and of Serials Canada. Are there any, I guess, current program priorities for Serials Canada? Is there any work that you're, you know, currently sort of um, carrying forward from the um, legacy or heritage Serials Canada that you feel is important that, you know, we don't lose sight of? Um, yes, I think you know the biggest one I would say is is the the new crop missions that Seawills Canada would lead. Um, it was a, a joint effort between Seawills Canada, SIGI, and uh, CGC, um, and GFO has participated last year in South America as well. And and we would like to continue that as we move forward. This year, though, because of COVID nineteen, we would have generally gone to seventeen to nineteen countries in November and December to provide new crop information. Uh, and have some confidential discussions about quality um, and you know answer any market access concerns but we are not be we won't be able to do that because of covid-19 so our only option is to pivot and do something on a digital front so that is something that we are currently working on uh, we are trying to make sure that customers can get timely information uh, timely accurate and uh, beneficial information right at their fingertips uh, when they want it at their convenience, but at the same time, having a system online that they can interact with our with our technical experts in the confidential manner if they need to, because that is what the 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 missions included was not just providing the information, but having that discussion after that information is provided to talk about uh, the nuances of of the quality and how they could use the quality to. Um, to you know, to make their purchasing decisions and so on. So I think that is one of our key things, and that is supposed to happen in November. Uh, I think harvest is like right out on the corner here, so we would start getting the samples in at Siggy uh, to do those analysis in the next week or two, um, and then all of that information needs to be packaged in a way that it's available for customers around the world, and that includes information in different languages. Um, how many different languages do you provide that information in? Uh, we would do it in um, in Japanese, Mandarin, uh, Spanish, and French, um, and Italian, I should say. So really focusing on focusing on the Asian and European markets then? Yeah, depending on the markets that we would need to have uh, different languages. So South America is a big, big part of uh, the, the market that uh, buys Canadian wheat. So we would use that as uh, as Spanish. For North Africa, we would be using French. Um, Italians, since they buy uh, Canadian Durham, will be in Italian. Um, China, of course, is a big market um, for, for cereals. And uh, and Japan has always been the, the top quality buyer of Canadian wheat. So uh, we do want to support them. The rest of them generally speak English uh, in, in, the, in one of the biggest markets we have, which is Indonesia. Um, it, it, English is the first language as well for business. So uh, we don't really need to translate that. Do you find that it it has a benefit to the having that information translated just in terms of communications or you know, to take the effort to do the translation? Is that almost like a sign of respect for the people that you're visiting or sort of like, well, I guess is the reasoning behind taking the effort to do that? The biggest thing is, the first thing is sign of respect, understanding that, you know, in, in a different country, business is done in a different language. Um, and what is the point of providing them information in English when only uh, a few might understand. Why don't we provide the information that everybody can get? So I think there's, there's two folds. One, which is respect, because understanding that they do business in a different language. 
um, and two is to make sure that the information we provide is valuable for throughout th those customer organizations and whoever it is. It might be somebody in, in a lab that wants to read it or somebody who's doing the purchasing sitting in Singapore. That information should be relevant and being used by, by everybody in the industry. So uh, for us, we are focused on international market. Canada is mostly an export uh, oriented, uh, you know, industry like we are, our agriculture is export oriented. So we need to cater to, to what our customers would like. Now, you mentioned uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. Have you seen an impact on market access uh, for Canadian cereals um, over the last couple of months? Um, no, I think, you know, at, at, so the first thing was when, when COVID-19 struck, I think it was mostly food security was the biggest piece where countries were asking Canada to, you know, sign letters or provide information that we would have enough grain to provide them throughout the year and so on. So I think food security was playing the biggest part. Uh, when it came to food, like, you know, when it comes to market access, um, I'm not aware of uh, any concerns um, that has come up. Um, and again, you know, I've just started this whole um, Civils Canada and, and, and was handling most of the market access pieces. So we, I wouldn't be privy to any information that I don't have right now. Uh, but uh, if, if there was something that we needed to be worried about, I would have known by now. Um, and I don't think it's a concern. Good to know. <laughs> now, um, I guess then, what would you say, you know, is the top concern or, you know, top issue affecting uh, Canadian cereals, either from, you know, a crop quality perspective or again, that, um, you know, market access or, um, you know, getting our Canadian cereals out to the world? Um, I, I think, you know, to me, when I look at it um, and being in the industry, supporting wheat and cereals for the last 11 years, um, I see two things that are something that we need to keep an eye out on. Uh, one, which is the competition from the Black Sea region, um, is, is going to be something that we need to watch out for. Canada's position has always been that, you know, we are a high quality, consistent market. And yes, we are. Um, but we cannot be complacent on that front. Uh, we need to provide high quality, uh, product that end, end users want. Um, and we need to keep evolving and creating, like, you know, coming up with varieties that farmers want to grow, but also the qualities there that export market are demanding. So I think we cannot, we need to keep going on that and keep an eye out on what Russia is going to produce and Russia, the Black Sea region is going to produce and, uh, you know, keep, keep improving our quality standards at that point. And two, I think market access is, is, is a tricky thing because you know, there's lots of stuff coming up in in around the world about you know um, certain things about you know wheat seeds and and so on. So some some concerns that we need to to address. Uh, but sometimes it also comes down to you know eat local movement or country of origin labeling and things like that. So I think those are things that are popping up um, more often than they used to, um, and those things we need to keep an eye out on. Um, as we as we go forward, so I would say yeah, those two would be key to keep market keep markets open. Now, if anybody wants to learn more about the work that Cereals Canada is doing, and as the you know bugs get worked out and everything happens with the amalgamation, um, you know how can people follow Cereals Canada or or get some more information? 
So I would say that the first thing is we we have a social media presence. Um, do join the 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 Seawills Canada on Instagram or you know on Twitter um, and on uh, Facebook. Siggy uh, also has websites for that on on social media presence as well. Um, Twitter is is pretty common with uh, with producer groups, and I think um, it, there's good discussion happening there, and we provide constant updates. Um, but other than that, I would say you know our website is the is the best place to find information. That's serialscanada.ca. Uh, any information, any updates is always in the news uh, news section of things, and you know it'll be up front on the web page as well. So I would recommend um, whoever is looking for more information to follow our social media and and our website. And if there's anything in 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 detail that you're looking for. Um, our information is online that you can reach us at as well. So individually, you can contact us too. Thank you very much for your time today, Dean. It was great to speak with you about uh, the new Serials Canada and, and just learn a little bit more about the direction that the organization is going to be heading in. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Rachel. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. This week on the podcast, we have Crosby Devitt, the Chief Executive Officer of Green Farmers of Ontario, joining us to give us an update on what's the latest things that are happening with our organization. Welcome to our podcast, Crosby. Good afternoon, Rachel. It's uh, great to speak with you again. So farmer members will likely have seen in their email inboxes a farmer member update that we sent out about a strategic plan that we are working on for the organization and wanting some feedback from those farmer members. Can you tell us a little bit about that process and what's happening? Yes, so this week uh, there was an email that went out to all of our farmer members in our GFO database asking for input on to the organization on what they like about it, what are the areas that are important to them, um, how their impression of how GFO is doing on those and where we could go in the future. And this is part of a um, the kickoff to our strategic planning process that will be happening uh, with with the organization and the board over the next uh, few weeks. And so, as as every organization has, uh, GFO has a strategic plan in place, and it was last updated about four years ago. And so, it's time now to review that uh, plan and look at where we've come come in those in those last four years and looking ahead to the next three or four years where we want to go and uh, the new plan will reflect those changes um, and and input from farmer members on where they want to see uh, the grain farmers of Ontario go as well. Farmer members have until September 4th to complete the survey. What I guess is the long-term process for creating a new strategic plan? When do you expect to sort of get into the, the details of, of creating that plan? Yeah, so there's a few stages um, and it will be happening kind of through the fall. Um, but the first step, as I mentioned, is the is the input from members. And then we'll be doing an environmental scan uh, kind of driven by our, our staff um, that are looking at, you know, what's changed over the last four years, what accomplishments have been made and what's changing around us and that we can uh, help farmers build better businesses around. And that will then go into a facilitated board session where the board of directors uh, talks about the large strategic goals for GFO and then um, some some additional discussion about that and ultimately what we what we plan to do is have our new plan uh, presented to the membership during our January 21 
district meetings. Now, the other um, opportunity that farmer members have to connect with us is our upcoming annual general meeting, and that's taking place uh, in September. But this year, as a result of COVID-19, we are making that a virtual event. Uh, what should people know about that upcoming AGM? Yeah, so we are having it on September 15th, which would be our typical uh, day for for our annual meeting every year, but uh, it will be virtual. So um, it will be, a notice went out to members as well, and it will continue here over the next couple weeks, um, helping raise the awareness of that. But uh, all farmers need to do to join that is, uh, is there's a login and a fairly simple, simple way to join. And it's open to all farmer members that are interested. Uh, and it will be kind of the morning of September 15th. And uh, at the annual meeting, we'll be having reports from uh, our chair, Marcus Hurley, as well as myself as your CEO, and uh, our financial updates and um, basically an open discussion with members to ask questions uh, to grain farmers of Ontario as well. Now, I imagine that you're anticipating some of those questions will center around the government relations ad campaign that we've been running uh, over the last couple of months. Can you give us an update today on sort of where we're at with that ad campaign and what's happening with our relationship with the federal government? Certainly, yes. So as uh, as many listeners and uh, members would know, um, GFO has been quite involved over the last several months in engaging with both our, po our provincial and our federal governments on the need for um, additional risk management uh, programs and, and enhancements to the existing ones. And so... Um, you know, a little over a month ago, the provincial government announced an additional $50 million available for the uh, Ontario uh, Risk Management Program, which was very welcomed. Um, and another part of that uh, commitment was that they would be uh, working closely to advocate to the federal government uh, to match support uh, for farmers. And so um, in the recent weeks, we've been shifting our focus to the federal government and have you know, a long-standing request uh, to improve the agri-stability program to 85% with no reference margin limiting, and that stands. And so in order to keep keep our work uh, front and center, uh, GFO has launched a new uh, video and radio advertisement uh, that we've been just started running over the last couple of weeks um, on some select radio stations, but also... Uh, on social media, Facebook and YouTube as well. And uh, really the the goal there is to highlight the need for action now. Um, it's not okay for the federal government to uh, to sit on it and wait. I know there's a lot of uh, challenging politics and uh, things happening federally right now uh, within our government, but that's no reason to sit and wait. And so uh, there is urgency right now. Um, as we know, uh, crop prices are volatile. Um, it's very uncertain to know where some of these markets will go, um, despite the fact that, uh, you know, some areas of our economy are starting to recover. There's still some very long lasting impacts. And so uh, the need is greater than ever for risk management programs. And uh, it's important the government sees that. When we talk about market volatility with grain farming, there's a lot of different factors that go into that volatility. 
the weather is a big risk factor. And we saw that just last week with um, more than 10 million acres of corn and soybean crops in Iowa that, that were damaged by a derishow, which is a, a strong windstorm. Um, and, you know, the, the full extent of that that uh, damage and impact isn't known yet. But, I mean, that just speaks to, I guess, the, the business that we're in here in agriculture. Yeah, it's a good point. And, I mean, it's uh, certainly really sad to see that type of weather system impact such a large area in the U.S. Um, you know, I can just imagine uh, being a farmer looking out and seeing their crops devastated. Plus, uh, a lot of buildings and grain storage was damaged as well. So, so pretty significant. And I think, you know, they're still assessing and, and won't know for some time exactly what that true impact will be. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, you know, I think farmers are, anyone that's been farming for, for a number of years understands uh, the challenges with weather, but certainly I don't know that that's one that you can anticipate and uh, and weather weather easily. So, um, yeah, a lot of volatility in this in this uh, <laughs> in this business, and I think you know just turning to the markets as I mentioned, um, there's a lot of ongoing uncertainty there, and certainly when you look at you know the where the corn market especially is today, there's uh, you know we're we're on the lower end of things and. Uh, and it's hard to see where things will will really go uh, between now and harvest. Well, speaking of harvest, the wheat harvest is pretty well wrapping up across the province, and we're starting to get in more results from the wheat harvest quality survey that Grain Farmers of Ontario conducts every year. Um, what have you been hearing about the wheat harvest and, and the quality of our crop? Yeah, on the real positive side, uh, this year has been a very... Uh, good quality crop um, across, pretty well across the province. Um, we do a, a harvest sample program where uh, samples uh, from harvest are collected kind of from different areas of the province and analyzed for, you know, milling and baking quality and uh, very good results so far. Uh, grades have been excellent. Um, and so, you know, part of where GFO uh, gets involved in in investing in research and new varieties and developing markets, it's really good to see uh, that that's you know turning into high quality products that farmers are growing. And so, um, you know, we're taking those results and doing advanced baking and analysis on those. And then part of this program is where we'll go out and meet individually with all of the major customers of Ontario wheat. Uh, you know, we have a lot of local millers that are that are buying Ontario wheat and talk to them about the crop, what they're seeing, um, some of the things that they're doing with, you know, new innovative products they're, they're uh, making with Ontario wheat. Um, and then also looking to the future. Okay. As uh, you know, how do we keep the quality where it is and, and make it even, even better in the future? Well, we'll look uh, forward to seeing more of that information come out online at gfo.ca, just so that uh, we can all keep an eye on, on where we're heading with, with the quality this year. Uh, thanks very much for all your time today, Crosby. We appreciate the update on what's been happening with Green Farmers of Ontario. Thank you, Rachel. It's been great speaking with you. Thank you for listening to our Green Talk podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. For more ways to connect with us, including the latest webinar, market report, and our e-newsletter, go to gfo.ca slash grain talk. A special thank you to our guests this week, Dean Dias and Crosby Devitt. If you've liked what you've heard today, please rate and review and subscribe on Apple iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And remember, five-star reviews help us grow our audience.